Public Health Director Gail O'Neill is with us. Uh, Gail, thanks a lot again for your time. We really appreciate it. And as always, let's get started with the mask mandate. And, and we, we've seen enforcement and we've seen uh, two businesses already uh, get dinged for the mask mandate. You know, on that, uh, what what was the situation behind that? Were, were these businesses warned ahead of time? Um, they've been told about um, the masks since we've been out investigating and inspecting with the uh, the inspectors that go out and, and monitor food establishments. Um, the when the county made the proposal and the declaration about employ, employers or business owners requiring their staff to wear masks, um, that was pretty publicly known. We sent emails to all the food establishments with all that information, as well as sent them out in the paper mailing. I guess sometimes the mail may go to the owner and may not be the local manager, but um, and I think everybody was given pretty much good coverage, and, and the news was out there that we have to do something to slow the spread of this virus. And um, so our you know, food establishments and, and bars were the places that we were looking to make a big impact. Have we seen the definition of outbreaks from any of these establishments? Um. I don't believe so. Um, we've had complaints. Um, citizens are letting us know where um, people aren't masked, especially those people who are you know, trying diligently to wear their masks and avoid the um, crowded situation. Uh, so it's, it's a masks and um, spacing issue um, that we've been dealing with with these owners. We can't, you know, we're not enforcing the face masks on the, the patrons or the uh, customers. Um, and we know that's very hard for the employer to do. So the um, the crowd situation and masks of employees are what we're looking at. Now, Gail, will there be a, a bunch of other uh, uh, stops this weekend by the county health department, or is it going to be left up to Springfield Police and uh, Springfield Fire, who are also going to be out looking for mask violations? Um, it's we're we're both going to be doing that, and we don't wait till just the weekend. There's some that we can do during the week. We don't have a huge number of places that we think are not complying. Um, but those that we've you know, had trouble with or heard that there's been um, many cases or people seeing, you know, situations where there's just too many people in a crowd, everybody's kind of aware now that that's a dangerous situation. So we um, will follow up on those. Gail, um, when is this going to be done? I mean, are we waiting for <laughs> are we waiting for metrics here? Are we waiting for the governor? Um, you know, when when can people you know point to this and, and this is where it's coming from. Um, you know, I, I asked the Department of Public Health, uh, the Illinois Department of Public Health yesterday about Vibra Hospital. Uh, they took it over at the peak of the uh, the pandemic and uh, they told me yesterday that they uh, gave it back to the owner they leased it from um, in mid-June. So we don't have oh. that overflow hospital anymore. Yeah, it's news to you, right? It was news to me. And it, was it, news to, it was news to a, a state representative. I uh, asked about it yesterday as well. So if that if that's the case, and we're hearing that McCormick place up in Chicago, they're getting ready to dismantle that by the end of this month, according to Chicago media. Uh, when can, when when is this health emergency uh, going to be labeled over? Are we waiting for the governor's lead on that? Oh, I think we're looking locally um, first. We, you know, have uh, seen a huge, a huge, I think it's a huge increase in cases over the last few weeks. And um, so we're trying to do everything that we can. And that's why we're, you know, being more aggressive with um, the business owners where we've seen that people gather and um, appears that um, people are spreading the virus to one another. They, um, you know, I think that's why we're trying to do it locally and figure out 
you know, where, where the problems are. We haven't seen cases with personal services like, you know, hairdressers and salons and those kind of things. We haven't found that um, through our contact tracing and, you know, investigation of this. We learn a little bit more about this virus all the time. And I think that's what's different in the beginning. Everybody's gearing up to make sure that we had enough um, health care capacity for the number of people that are getting ill. Um, Survivor Hospital, you know, well, it's good for us to know, I guess, if we need it, that it, it was a lease and that, you know, it's something that we could reach out for if we needed. But I think we've learned a lot about how to treat the virus a little bit more. The hospitals still have capacity and, and a lot more experience dealing with this now. Um, they're working with treatments that we didn't know about in, uh, you know, March when we started this adventure. And um, so I think we're, we're better established. And now the people who are testing positive are younger and generally healthier than the um you know, the people that we had seen early with a, a massive nursing home um, outbreak and the, um, the deaths really coming to the elderly and people with um, underlying medical conditions. And, and if you could uh, just briefly here, um, when we were talking with uh, Alderman Hanauer, it uh, kind of threw me for a bit of a loop there. Uh, and just to clarify, uh, he, he had said that he was told to consider himself, um, you know, exposed to COVID and possibly positive. Uh, are those types of situations where uh, you know he says he didn't take a test, his wife took a test and was positive, but he didn't? Um, right. Do do we count households? Say there's four people in a house, one did test positive, but are the other three people counted positive as well in the totals? Does, how does that work into it? They are counted as far as contacts, but not in the numbers that you're seeing that we put out every day. Um, they're considered, you know, household contacts may vary as far as disease spread. They would be um, just as, you know, if they're positive, then they're home, they're isolating, they're not out in the community spreading um, the virus. They, you know, they know that they are potentially infectious and may get sick. So, you know, they are um, quarantining at home. Any family members do. So in the reports that you see daily, these are only people who've had a laboratory confirmation of a positive result. Gotcha. Those who actually have provided uh, a sample. Right. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So yes, our numbers in the community are probably higher. You know, most most assuredly that they're higher. But um, yeah, some people test and some don't. And you know, with with sometimes the testing supplies being short, you know, not short supply or um, a little more difficult to to get to. There's kind of a thought that there's no reason to test people that probably are infectious or have been exposed, and as long as they do the quarantine, it won't be infectious to anyone else. Sangamon County Public Health Director Gail O'Neill is with us on News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. Gail, you kind of led really nicely into my next question here. How is the testing at the department going? I know that uh, it has been extremely popular in terms of people coming out for that, and uh, they've been able to stay past 7 o'clock to test. Uh, what kind of shape is that, and do they have enough testing kits to continue that? I know it's closed today, but, uh, you know, scheduled closure, but uh, yeah. when they when they resume tomorrow, they'll be all right? I believe so. The um, yeah, testing supplies they're getting from um, the Illinois Department of Public Health, and I believe once they got started, they, they kind of jumped in, SIU jumped in quickly to get started um, and didn't have a whole lot of tests on hand. We had some, so jointly they got started. I think their, their planning and requesting of um, tests are kind of have the chain going now, so I think that they kind of know what to expect. Um, sometimes it's a little level of having enough people to help run the, the uh, testing site, but Overall, it's going very well. Um, last night, I was surprised because there's been long lines and uh, you know people waiting at least an hour sometimes. Uh, last night, it looked like it was a pretty easy flow. About 6:30, there was nobody in line, so people could you know pretty much drive up and um, get a test right away. So it'd be nice for the 
testers and for the public if it kind of comes to a, a regular um, kind of a slower pace for everybody. You don't have to wait in line so long, but we'll see um, what happens tomorrow. Well, on uh, test turnaround times, is that uh, is that a problem? It's longer than we'd like. Um, we're hoping for three to five days, and I think with, with that, that's been pretty optimal. The, a week or so ago, it seemed like people weren't getting test results uh, a little bit longer than that. So it, it, the labs are very busy, and we're dependent on them to get the test results back. So I think we're not looking at a, a turnaround of you know quickly um, in the next day or two, but I think we're looking at, at three or four days now. Gail, one of the things I saw that's a little bit different is is now that uh, people are being encouraged, uh, if they worry about an exposure, to wait kind of four or five days. Would you like to elaborate on that And uh, as far as testing goes, where they could end up with a false negative if they test too soon after possible exposure? Sure. This is one of the things that we've learned about this um, as we go along. The um, A test early, if you thought you were exposed, know, yesterday um, or the day before, or you traveled, the best test to know about those events is to allow your body time, if it has a virus in there, to to have an amount that's detectable by a nasal swab. So it takes, you know, three to four, up to seven days to get a, an accurate test. But the doctors have pretty much agreed that three to four, um, four to five days is a good time so that you would have enough vir- virus in your system if you were infectious or if you were infected. Um, to detect through the nasal swab. Gail, uh, last question for me at least. Uh, you talked earlier about um, it seems that we're treating this better uh, in hospitals. Um, and, you know, we've, I don't know what the peak was for the area when it comes to COVID-19 hospitalizations, but we have nine now. Um, Correct. What, what kind of treatments are being done? Uh, what, what's, what's being used successfully here locally uh, to keep those hospitalizations low? Um, I think that there's, you know, people are going in when they're they're noti- noticing some breathing problems, and that's the major one that we're worried about for people who are infected. Um, if they're having trouble breathing, I think people were very, very sick initially um, and, you know, needed to go on ventilators to assist with breathing. Um, that's the way we thought it was best to treat. Now they um, people might be going in a little earlier when they're at the first sign of symptoms so that some, you know, not everybody's going on the ventilator anymore. Um and they're being treated. Some of the people who've been infected and recovered, they've found that the, um, the plasma of those patients that are well and can donate is really like liquid gold to people who are sick. Um, so they're finding ways those people have donated and they can use some of that plasma. Um, the medications they're, they're using, people are just having a better outcome the more we learn about this, this disease and how to care for people. Terrific. Gail, listen, thank you so much for the update. We really appreciate it. Thank you.